episode number 385, Watching Nope with John Haru. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. Strangers and aliens. I am your father's best friend, Plumber. versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did was that he created something, so we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Strangers and aliens this is a podcast about faith and fantasy sci-fi christianity and it's also a podcast about watching movies with my friend john because yeah. we've done so many of these episodes and i uh, watch the movies that nobody else wants to watch with ben yep that's almost <laughs> almost <laughs> There's there's a lot of truth to that. Let's just let's just leave it that way. Although <laughs> the last one we did was Moonfall and Evan was there for that one. So Yeah, and I kind of wish I wasn't. <laughs> I did but, not like that movie. <laughs> but you were and you needed to bring that uh bring bring that perspective. So, let's see. Episode 206 and 207, we watched the Fly franchise. Mm-hmm. Episode 2 or 326 uh, was when you sent me the Christian horror trilogy, uh, the, the Visitation Three and House. We watched those. Episode three thirty nine. We watched uh, Color Out of Space. I love and that movie. Three fifty two was the Thing franchise. We watched the Thing from Another World and the Thing, and the Thing. And three sixty eight was the Escape Room franchise. Three seventy three was the Cube franchise. 379 was the Moonfall franchise, I guess. Um, but if you just you know go to our website and click on any one of those episodes, click on Watching With, uh, that's that's uh, the sub-series that this has become. And now here we are in episode 380, whatever I just said, 385 or whatever, <laughs> talking about the Nope franchise. The so, Nope franchise. Yeah. Okay, maybe not the Nope franchise, but I will say, so this is, uh, what did we do about, yeah. Oh, I did just a single episode about Get Us and uh, Get Out and Us. Uh, episode 308 was Jordan so tr- Peele franchise part one. So this true story, this is my first Jordan Peele movie I've seen. Oh, really? I've I've owned Get Out for about three years now, and I've never sat down to watch it. It's one of those movies I bought on a whim because it was five bucks, and I was just like, yeah, I've heard good things about this. I'll watch it sometime, and I still haven't. And Us looked entertaining to me, but I've just never had the gumption to start it. So, yeah, this is my first Jordan Peele movie. All right. 
All right. So yeah, uh, we talked, or I talked. I'm pretty sure it was just me. Yeah, the the episode description just says Ben takes a look. But that was 2019, April 2019. Episode 308 was Get Out and Us. I'm pretty sure that I watched Get Out on a similar $5 DVD as you did. <laughs> um, but then I did see Us in the theater. I My, my interest in it, in his work, Jordan Peele's work has been purely out of feeling it to be necessary. Like whenever I hear about a director, that's like the up and coming horror director. Cause I'm a horror junkie. I get curious cause I want to see what makes them tick and what makes them different. Um, I felt the same way about James Wan when he was first breaking out mm-hmm. after, after he left the saw franchise and started doing the, uh, doing what's now known as the uh, conjuring universe. Uh, so, and apparently that's the new thing now is for movies to have universes instead of direct sequels. So that's a thing. Well, that allowed them to do <laughs> multiple spinoffs and right. Uh, um, so I, I was curious about Jordan Peele. I just hadn't gotten around to watching his stuff. So this was, this was me jumping in head first into unknown territory. So one of the things about him is obviously he got his start in comedy. He was on like Mad TV and then right. the uh, Key Peel and Key or K and Peel Key Key. I think it was Key. Yeah, I didn't watch that. It was on cable, and I was mm-hmm. not. I didn't have access to cable at that time. But I have watched a number of the the skits, the sketches mm-hmm. from there. Um, and I will say that one of the things, if you take each of his movies as a whole, um, there's an interesting. comedian sense to them in the sense that uh, comedy is you're telling a story, telling a joke and you think it's going one way and part of the humor comes from it switching tracks and Mm -hmm. you find out, Oh, this is where the joke was going, not the direction I thought it was going. And you know, it it started here. I thought it was going there, but it does make sense where it went. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's his three horror movies that I'm, as I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, that I feel like that's a part of it. I don't know if that's intentional or if that's me reading too much into it, but well, it I, is I, definitely I think that's, something to it. I think that's just, you know, every, every, so hanging out with our mutual friend, J.S. Earls, he's been kind of mentoring me and he's talked me into writing my first book. Um, and conversations that we've been having it ha- has br- brought me to realize that different narrative creators have certain methods by which they approach uh composition of fiction um and you know i think i think that that it's almost a bait and switch that you're talking about yeah yeah uh is kind of one of the uh composition methods that he's comfortable with because you know if it's some you know work with what you know right and so and so it would make sense that he uses technique from comedy uh, to his advantage within horror to tell the stories he wants to tell. And but I don't think he necessarily uses it, at least based off the brief, brief exposure I had with uh, Nope. I don't necessarily think that he uses it as a crutch in the same way that uh, I would say M. Night Shyamalan does with his bait and switches or his twists as people like to refer to them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very different, but it's, it's definitely in the same vein, but with him, mm. you could call the bait and switch and you wouldn't be wrong necessarily in the, the thought of 
you're sitting down to watch Get Out and you think it's going in one way. And then that one, the kind of twist was spoiled, I think, for a lot of people before they actually had a chance to see the movie. Um, but it's well, going I, in one I, direction. I, but then it makes sense that it doesn't switch directions. It just switches your perspective. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, okay, this is where we're going all along from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it's it's okay. It's not a bait and switch because it's not a, I thought it was going to be this. And he tricked me it's i mm-hmm. thought it was this and he i guess he did trick me but it's a good trick <laughs> let's put it right. that way right he's good at it uh no yeah. I, I i can tell you i can tell you as someone who hasn't seen get out yet um having just seen having seen nothing but the previews it strikes me like it's going to be a movie akin to the stepford wives well that is definitely how the trailer wants it to strike you it does belong in a category with the stepford wives I think in the sense of it's got this suburban feel, mm-hmm. but there's something under the surface, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then us, that one, the switch, I kind of turned against the movie when I realized, oh, this is what it was. Mm-hmm. All the buildup to act three was amazing. And some of the, some of the stuff that came into the climax was really, really good. But once I started realizing, oh, this is what was happened. Oh, and I, I didn't quite turn against the movie, but I came very, very close. And I, I thought it was it, it put on clown shoes for a little, little while. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds like me when I watched the movie, the mist, the Stephen, the adaptation okay. of the short story yeah. by Stephen King. Have you seen that? Uh huh. Yeah. Um, this this is me confessing some sin over the air here, but that my my stepfather in law had me sit down and watch it, and he the only reason why he watched it a second time was because he wanted to see my reaction, and I still think there's a blue cloud somewhere in the space over their old house from when I hit the end of that movie because I was furious <laughs> with how that movie ended, and that is not how the short story ends. I, that's what so I've heard. That's the really interesting thing is that. They took his story and they're like, hey, let's take Stephen King's story and make it end worse (laughs) and make it like even more down and make it even more nihilistic, I think maybe is is the right word for for it. But yeah, that movie. (laughs) I, I was with that movie until that last moment. And then I was just like, oh, come on, come on. There, yeah, there, there was only, I, I don't know if you're familiar with one of my newer podcasts at the bottom shelf where we watch terrible movies. There has only been mm-hmm. one movie that I have hated more than that. And that was the second Mortal Kombat movie. I think I, I think <laughs> I, I, I think I, that, so. <laughs> I think I openly said that I would rather watch the mist than ever watch Mortal oh, Kombat wow. Annihilation again. Well, there's, there's a, a grand statement. So All right, so we are here, though, not to talk about those things, although that is good preamble, to get into... The amble. This preamble. I know, I know, but you said it was the good preamble to get into this, and I said amble. Oh. We had the preamble, now we're in the amble. I was making a Steve Steve joke. (laughs) Someone has to carry the torch. Moving into the amble. Okay, I'm I'm with you now. I'm with you now. Especially now that you identified it as a Steve joke, that... Which deserves its own Wikipedia entry. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about Nope. And we are going to talk 
spoiler free for a, a moment here, especially as we talk about maybe um, what we were aware of as we were moving into the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're going to talk about it with spoilers because this is a movie that does need to be talked about with spoilers. And really the only way I can talk about um, uh, the, I don't know if it may not be a weak connection, but it's definitely uh, something I, I was caused to think about because there's a question in this movie. Where I was just like, what the heck? Why is this here? And then I started thinking, and I was like, oh, wait, no, this actually does make sense. And that made me think about some things about sin nature and our personal responsibilities with sin and how we deal with sin. And I think coming. I know what you're talking about, but it's coming. Okay. Yeah. But the first trailer that I saw for this movie, you couldn't tell what was going on. It was just lots of images and sounds. And then the title is Nope. And I'm just thinking, I don't care what it is. I'm going to go see it because (laughs) I like what he's done so far. And even when I didn't like what he was doing, there was flair and there was talent. And I'm going to see this movie. And it looks really weird and different and odd. And I think they intentionally didn't want you to know what it was about or what was going on there. It was trying to just gain attention. Well, they got my attention. And I don't know if... Did did you intend to see this before I ask you if you were going to? Nope. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I've I've after Moonfall, I was so disenchanted with the whole cinema experience after Moonfall, uh, which was my first movie I watched going after COVID uh, released us back to the normal side of whatever. But yeah, I was just like I stopped paying attention to what was new in the theaters, and then I think I had heard about. Nope. I think I, but I didn't know anything about it. And then you're like, are you going to go see it? And I'm like, I can, I'm down to see a movie <laughs> if you need someone to see a movie. So that was like four days ago. It's just, <laughs> hey, <laughs> were you planning to see this? Whatever. <laughs> okay. And, and, and so I went and proceeded to watch a preview. So I knew what I was getting into, but I saw the preview that shows too much. Yeah. The, so that second trailer, the second full trailer that they put out, it shows a lot. It doesn't give away a lot, in my opinion. I feel like it started pitching a different movie to me than the first trailer was mm-hmm. pitching to me. I felt like it was pitching uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind or A Fire in the Sky mm-hmm. or A Communion. And it is kind of, but we'll get into it. There is that, like, he's setting up the punchline, and the punchline is, this is not the movie you thought you were going to see. Uh, even though it uses visuals from like the third act after the, the whole revelation of what's going on is happening. So I also was not expecting it to feel like a, uh, a spaghetti Western, but yeah, I picked up on that too. There was just this weird, like, uh, it was Ennio Morricone, I think is the name of the, um, the, the guy who does the music for Sergio Leone's, um, uh, his spaghetti, the tr- uh, good, the bad, the ugly trilogy or whatever the man with no, the man with no name trilogy. Yeah, that's it. And it's just like, wait a minute. What, <laughs> what is happening here? And then with the end credits roll, it's just words against a bright orange background, which totally just gives me the, the spaghetti Western vibe. Uh, mm-hmm. So I wasn't expecting that vibe, but I wasn't exactly disappointed that the vibe was there. It was, I mean, I, I like, I like a good spaghetti Western and I honestly like a bad spaghetti Western as well. Spaghetti I, I Westerns definitely... are like pizza. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even if they're bad, they're still kind of good. They're still good. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I, 
I, I did pick up a lot of the genre mashing in this movie uh, with the Western and sci-fi. And uh, it, it was, it, it felt kind of if Quentin Tarantino did a sci-fi. I could see that. I can see that. And he was told, please don't swear as much. You can still swear, but don't swear as much. And Are not as much s- blood. Mm, mm. There there was a bit of language in this one, sir. There I'm not was, sure that but I, can follow I, would, you. I would say Tarantino would have had a lot more language than this movie, though. That would be my contention. Okay. There's definitely a lot of language in this movie. And there's blood in this movie, but I feel like there would be a lot more if it was Quentin Tarantino. Could be. Yeah. But... Uh, some of the nonlinear kind of things that he does were definitely showing up in this as you're watching. And then, Hey, now we're going to move over here and mm-hmm. you're going to see this again. And, and you're going to see the scene at the beginning of the movie. And then we're going to, but it's like <laughs> 10 years before the movie happens. And, and then we'll come back gonna, to it, <laughs> but we're going to see it from a different angle. Oh man. That was so confusing to me, which it was intentional to be yeah. fair, but, Okay, so again, spoiler free as of right now. Tell me, John, did you like Nope? I had, I've had, as I've been talking to people since I've seen that movie, that's the question everybody's asked me. Like, I don't, I don't, a lot of my friends, I don't know if they're, if they've decided if they want to see it. And I think they've been waiting for somebody else to see it to tell them if they like it. And I've answered them the same way, same way I'm going to answer now. I don't know. <laughs> it, it left me with such a strange taste in my mouth. Like, do you, re- okay. So you remember when we watched the color out of space? Yes. I had the same feeling when I, by the time I finished Nope that I had after the color out of space in that I need to sit and process what I just watched. And a part of me is still kind of processing it. I, I, I have a lot of thoughts about the movie. I, I know I didn't dislike it. I can say that much, but you know, I, I don't know if I'm like, yay, this movie either. Uh, there was, there was a lot I enjoyed, and but I, I I feel like this is one of those movies I have to watch two or three times before I've really taken the whole thing in because there's there there's certain nuances in movies like this that are there for repeat watches so you can kind of get a better feel for everything that's going on once you know what's going on. Um, so do I like do I like it right now? I don't know. But I have a feeling if I watch it a couple more times, I probably will. Does if that makes sense? It does. It does. It does mean I'm not going to ask you for a star rating because I'm. Um, oh, I, 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 I could give you one of those with okay, where I'm right. at right now, but it's subject to change. I'd probably give it a, a, like a three point five. OK. All right. Yeah. And I would go with like a four. I, I did really enjoy the movie. I enjoyed mm-hmm. the movie. I'm not sure. If it would change, if, if, if it would change my opinion on repeat viewings, um, mm-hmm. it was interesting with, uh, Thor, the, uh, Thor love and thunder. I went out of the theater. I was like, I kind of liked it. But then uh, when I actually sat down and talked about it on welcome to level seven, my opinion changed completely just having the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, I really liked it a lot more than I thought I did. Um, mm-hmm. and maybe that'll happen here. I don't know, but 
I, I don't know if my opinion is going to go up or down on repeat viewings. I do know that um, the mystery, there's a, there's a mystery here of, of mm-hmm. what's going on. There's, there's something, there's this phenomena that's happening and, and what's happening. Why is it happening? Uh, why, where, it, why is it happening where it's happening and things like that? And I'm just like, I, I was invested in that. I was invested in the characters, which is always a good thing. Um, and I don't know if it's because uh, I can't remember the name of the, the main character. Was it? Oh, OJ. OJ. Mm-hmm. Um, OJ Haywood. Yeah, I really liked him. And I couldn't tell if it was because he was just, and I'm turning into an old man in my old age, but he was just really annoyed by his younger sister, who is just like devil may care, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, hey, we got a job to do. And, um, and just, he doesn't like the big personalities and the fake personalities around him in in Hollywood. I'm just like, I'm, I'm feeling you brother. I, I'm feeling you. I'm with you. Like there's, there's a, there's a bond here. And, but I also like the, the guy from walking dead. I can't remember his name either right now, but um, the guy who was running the, the cowboy, the cowboy show. And, uh, Steven Ewan. He yeah, played yeah. Ricky Jupe park. And I really was invested in his story too. But part of that investment was like, why is his story here? And it was, and why are they showing us this part of his story? And mm-hmm. so I, uh, I was invested and I went with the journey and I, for the most part, enjoyed the journey. And the twist is a gentle twist that says, yeah, everything you're looking at, we're going to turn it on its head. But at the same time, like I said, it makes sense from the beginning what was happening here, even though it didn't end up where I thought it was going to end up. The more we talk about it, the more I think that it wasn't so much a twist as it was a acknowledgement of everything you saw was true. Mm -hmm. But we're going to change it by giving you more information about it. Definitely change of perspective. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and that's, again, the, the, the comedy, the... We're going to set up for the punchline. And once you hear the punchline, it's going to make sense. And it's not a punchline that's funny, but it is a punchline mm-hmm. that changes your perspective on where the story was going. So I, I can say that I do feel that Keith David's presence in this movie was wasted. I almost feel like he would have been done better as the lead in this movie than what he did. Um, it, it, with with the personality that O.J. Haywood or Daniel uh, Kaluuya, uh, with what he did, I think I think Keith David probably could have played that role a little bit better. But he definitely but, like he looked like he could have been O.J.'s dad for sure. Yeah, like for sure. That was mm-hmm. oh, there's something about the the eyes. I don't know. But. Yeah, well. I have thoughts about that too, but we'll, we'll, we'll wait for the organ oh, to play. Oh, before. That's a specific thing. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that we, I recommend it for people who do like UFO fiction, who like uh sci-fi that's going to get you thinking. Uh, there are some big ideas in here. Um, and yeah, I, so I, I recommend it. It's not a recommendation for everybody. Because it's it definitely has a tone. That it's it's not a it's not a Moonfall, and it's not a Star Wars, and it, but it definitely belongs in 
uh, category with like your close encounters of the third kind mm. or that kind of thing. So, um, I feel like this movie was miscategorized as a horror film. Uh, when I went in to see it, you know, that was the big label that it had on it. And, um, I, there's, I don't find anything in this movie to be scary uh, as a horror film aficionado. I, would discourage people from seeing it if they're going, if they're looking for a horror film to see. Um, that said, I would recommend this to people who are fans of sci-fi who don't take issue with some strong language. Cause there's a bit of it in this movie. Um, there, the scenes that I think that it got dubbed horror as there are some scenes that I found to be a little disturbing. Um, so there might be some stuff that might make you feel uncomfortable, but nothing that I would say would be outright frightening or terrifying. So the label that I would put on this, I can't put on this because it'd be a spoiler. So why don't we play the spoiler Oregon? Then you can finish that thought. Let's do it. Spoilers. Spoilers. All right. So the label that I would use is it's a monster movie. This is a kaiju yeah. film. Oh, and absolutely. The, I mean, it, the, 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 the description of this movie I have been sitting on since I watched it up until waiting for the spoiler organ, because I didn't want to tell anybody about it. I wanted you to be the first one to hear it. This movie was tremors in the sky. Yeah, no, I would, uh, <laughs> I would say it's close encounters mixed in with tremors and because it's, they think it's a UFO and that's the twist. It's not a twist. It's a, it's a curve where it's, uh, looks like a UFO but it's not being driven by anyone. It's being driven by instinct and it's being driven by desire to eat and to feed. And, and it is literally a flying creature that eats people. Mm-hmm. There's even a reference in it later on in act three of this movie where someone's singing one eyed, one horned flying purple people eater. And that's the, that's the <laughs> spoiler right there. If you want to, uh, it's not de- in depth. It's not a, it's not a deep, like, Hey, we're going to hide this. We're going to hide this. And, and only on repeat viewings will people realize, because um, it, they just say it, it's not subtext. No. And, and it, it unfolds itself and you get to see its true form at the end of the movie. And when I saw that, I'm like, Oh, Jordan Peele's been reading some HP Lovecraft because that's some Yog Sothoth sort of stuff right there. Yeah, and it's it's a creature and it's a cool looking creature and it's a creature that has its own life cycle and its own appetites and it digests flesh and clothing fast and then poops out the metal fast. And the whole dynamic though is it pooped and killed OJ's dad. Yeah. And and then that sets up this conflict between OJ, his sister, and the creature that they don't even know that it is a creature. And they don't even know that, that the nickel that it pooped out was uh, from the creature, you know, but that nickel, that was, 
gross. I, it was gross. It was kind of cool though when you realize what was going on and you see him and you're like, what's going on with his eye? And then they show the x-rays and it's like, oh, huh, that's fascinating, you know? And and then they show his face and mm-hmm. you see the nickel-sized slash going into his <laughs> eye. It's just right there. Bro, okay, there's a thing in, uh, I don't know if it's with my playing games of strangers team or if it's with my the bottom shelf team. But in one of which I've talked about, I have a thing. I can watch some of the most grotesque things on a on a cinema screen until it gets to Igor. Hmm. I, I, I can't. I can't. Not only can I not, but I won't. And this caught me off guard and I'm offended by it because I'm sitting here watching this and they're. He's literally driving Keith David to the hospital in this truck. He's posted up against this window. And I'm like, oh, he looks like he got mauled. And all of a sudden you start seeing pulsing arterial spray blasting from his right eye. And I'm like, no, no, I can't do that. No, I can't. No. Fortunately, it was quick, but it was there and it was creatively shot around and then just shown. <laughs> It was just like, yeah, I, so yeah, there's some, there's some uncomfortable scenes in this movie. Uh, the other, the other scene happens much later, the the other one that made me a little bit uncomfortable in the same way that the half man, half fly in the spider's web at the end of the first fly movie made me uncomfortable. Um, and that's when the creature shows up at, uh, Jupiter's claim at the big event and sucks up all the tourists that are sitting there watching for it. And, uh, and, uh, then they show the tourists going up into the things, digestive tract as Mm -hmm. they are being digested. And I'm like, don't like this. Not sure why, but it makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) And that was not even that graphic. That was just, no. And, and honestly, the effects on that, you almost could have done that effect with a wind machine and some sheets. Yeah, I mean, I I was watching that. I'm like, that's not very good effects. That's that's some that's some HVAC ducting and uh, some lights and just put people crawling through it. But in the Mm -hmm. same sense, for some reason, it just made me uncomfortable. I'm like, I don't like this. This is not meant for me to see. Well, because that's also when you realize, I mean, there's children in there, you Mm -hmm. know, and then there's that woman who was the co-star from the comedy show, the the monkey comedy, the, the chimp. And that they showed her in the trailer and I mm-hmm. wish that they had not, but they showed her in the trailer as if to say, Hey, there's going to be some weird stuff going on here. And that's just a woman who is, she's scarred for life. Uh, had her from face ripped off by an orangutan. By, by, yeah. By a chimpanzee. And she's just, that's it. And, it's not that she's this weird character or a mutant or an evil thing. She's just there because her friend has a show and he invited her or she chose to come and it's, it's sad. It's tragic, but yeah. (laughs) So that does lead me to the, what the heck? Why is this here? The whole chimpanzee thing. Why? I knew that was it. I knew that was it. Cause I had the same question this here. And, (laughs) It, it took a while for me to kind of th- sift through like, okay, so they are setting up a parallel story between the chimp and the creature. And the chimp was not bad. The chimp was just out of his environment and in, 
and placed into this wrong environment by humanity. And you can't do that. I mean, you can, and if you're lucky, you'll be fine, but it's not the best, you know? And then that was the same with the creature. The humans didn't put it there, but the creature was in this environment that it was just trying to survive and it was lashing out to get the food that it needed. And it wasn't evil. It was just hungry. I I think... Because I, I spent a lot of time thinking, why was this necessary for this movie? And I think what Jordan Peele was trying to do was he was trying to show what was talk. He it was it was a show don't tell situation in that later on in the movie when OJ's talking to his family, he's just like, you know, Jupiter died because he was trying to tame a predator, and you don't tame a predator, you come into an agreement with it, and mm-hmm. it was kind of showing. You know, and it was kind of showing what happens when you try to tame a predator because, you know, uh, you know, a chimpanzee by nature would be considered a predator of some sort because it's omnivorous. It's going to eat some kind of creature. Um, and so I, I think it was put there to parallel that concept of what OJ was discussing with the rest of the family at in the third act to set up the climax. But you know, I, I don't necessarily think it was necessary for this movie. And and I think that's my biggest gripe about this movie is there's there was a lot of unnecessary things in this movie. It's over it, two hours long. It, it felt a little bit bloated, I think, because, yeah, it, it's two hours and ten minutes. And I think if they would have edited out some of the mood shots that they put in and the long stares at each other and the unnecessarily unnecessary dialogue. They spent like the first 20 minutes of this movie in just character setup. Mm-hmm. And I think that could have been trimmed down. Like if this movie was an hour and 45 minutes, even I think it would have been a better movie. And I think I probably would have been a little bit more lit about it after watching it. I think like the whole chimpanzee subplot could have been cut out and it wouldn't have changed very much at all as far as the tone and themes of the of the show i mean it it still would have been about this creature that is a predator it still would have been about this creature that just needs to eat and these people who just need to survive you know it's and and even still they if he felt that the story was necessary in there it could have been a story that was told in subtext rather than spoon feeding it to the audience, you know, just have little bits of it here and there for whoever's watching it to put together. Yeah. Although I, so I was in a theater with like five or six other people. And so there were moments where I was laughing and none of them were laughing at all. I don't think anyone laughed the whole time, but when he started describing the, the scene of when this happened to him as a child actor. And he starts talking about, yeah, the best way, the best way for you to experience this is, uh, uh, Saturday did you see Live. the Saturday Night Live sketch? Daryl Hammond was playing the father and, and Catan, man, Catan was playing the chimp. He was just, he was just Catan, man. And I was not quite rolling, but I was laughing because I was just imagining that setup and a gas tire is there, you know, and just like, imagine. I would have wanted to see that skit. You oh, know, man. I, when he was talking about it, them, <laughs> when he was talking about it, I would have been like, I, I would rather be watching that right now than hearing you talk about it. Cause 
If they had the money <clears throat> to de-age those Saturday Night Live players, and oh my goodness, I <laughs> I was just, yeah, it, it struck my funny bone. And nobody else's, and I felt a little embarrassed. But then I well, laughed some more. I was in the theater with one other person watching this movie. Were they with and you? No. <laughs> Even better. Uh, and they were on the opposite side of the seating area from me. So I, half the time, I didn't even know that they were there. Like I was, I was sitting in the front, not in the front row, but in that row of seats that are behind that uh, metal bar where they uh, put the people who are in wheelchairs. Mm-hmm. If they come in the theater, I was sitting behind those metal bars so I could put my feet up because I was in a the theater I'm normally not in and it doesn't have the reclining seats that I'm used to. Um, and then the lady that walked in after me, she went up to the top row and Nary did we see each other until the end of the movie when she walked out. <laughs> so I, there was a couple times I'm laughing in there and it's just like, it's just me by myself because it's just like, that's funny. I don't care. I'm going to laugh. Yeah. No, I... No one else laughed, and I didn't care too much. I mean, look, if it's supposed to be funny and I find it funny, I'm going to laugh. I'm not, I'm not going to apologize for that. But, yeah, I – this is the, – the chimpanzee stuff is what uh, – once I kind of realized what they were doing, and especially what they do with that character, they did say it outright, what you said about the Predator stuff. Like, they, they said it outright, and – it, but then thinking about it afterwards, like, okay, that's definitely, they were using the chimp to set up just in some ways, I think empathy for the, this faceless creature, this mm-hmm. creature that is totally non-human. I mean, most creatures on earth, we can assign a little bit of anthropomorphism because they have faces, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, there's dogs that look like they're smiling. They're not smiling, but we look at them and we think they're a happy dog. Because they have that that face, you know, and this creature didn't have that and it needed something to help us. And it could have been, I think, just subtext of, hey, let's talk about hunger. You know, this thing's hungry and we can recognize that because you also had the other guy who's the the filming, uh, the film guy who just goes out to try and catch the greatest shot. And he uh, and has that whole uh, Hollywood perspective that I've heard before where it's one for me, one for them. And you do the one for them so that I can turn around and do the one for me. I, I can do my project. And he's looking at different predators against each other in, in spaces where they aren't necessarily belong. And um, so it's setting that up as well. And But this is where I find my, my, my spiritual application. Some might say weak, uh, weak connection, but the spiritual application here is uh, – it's Proverbs 26.11 or Second Peter 2.22. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Or in Second Peter 2.22, of them, the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit and a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. And that is Stephen uh, Yao. Is that his name? Stephen Yoon. Stephen Yoon. Y-E-U-N. Yeah. That's his character right there. Is he survived this awful, awful moment where there's the chimpanzee attack and they left him like they here's a child hiding under a table and it's it's heartbreaking because the chimpanzee does all this and you get the impression that he just snapped because he got scared 
And they do that with the horse earlier in the commercial as well. And then he comes over and it's this horror movie moment, you know, with the chimp. He sees him and he he's looking directly at the camera, the way that they, they frame it. He's walking right directly toward you, the viewer. And and then he puts out his fist for the world's fist, first exploding fist bump. They apparently uh, that character and that chimp created the world's first exploding fist bump. And as the young actor is putting out his hand to do the, the fist bump. They shoot it in the head. That's when the <laughs> authorities get there and it's just bam. And, and, and he, so he has a shrine to this thing in there. And then you realize what he's been doing. He's buying horses from OJ as bait to throw out, to get this thing to come out of the clouds because he's doing it for his, his Western themed uh, show uh, live show. And, and that's him, you know, flirting with sin. You know, we, we've got the sin nature. We got the sin desire. Some of us have sins that we've returned to where it's like, I keep, keep going back to that vomit. You know, I keep returning to my folly. And, and this was just, he went too far and it was the end of him. It was, mm-hmm. he, uh, he got eaten. The other thing that was interesting is that the movie starts with a Bible reference. It does. It starts with uh, Nahum 3.6. I will pelt you with filth. I will treat you with contempt and make you a spectacle. That's the new international version. I wrote down in my notes uh, the version they had on the screen, but my phone died and won't charge. And I don't know when I'm going <laughs> to get that phone to work again. So the note is gone. But the uh, King James versions, I'm wondering if that's what it was, but, and I will cast abominable filth upon thee and make that's thee it. vile. And I will set thee as a gazing stock. That is it. That is it. <laughs> I uh, remember the abominable filth. That's, that's what that was the one. Yeah. And the filth, I mean, am I wrong? It's the, it's the metallic poop. Yeah. Like, that That's it. Or, or it, you know, when it got and, a case of the bloody runs over the house. Oh yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll it, say this though: the whole conflict and then the way they defeated it, it all kind of made sense in a way. But then it also was just like she sends the balloon up, and the balloon has a has a, a flag tail, the mm-hmm. flags, the pennant flag thing, and they had already set it up where it will stay away from you if you have that because it ate that horse. And again, the way that they follow that thread, it's got that thing dangling out of its throat the whole time. Mm -hmm. And then you realize why it's because it can't digest the horse, but the horse is lodged in there. And I think that might've been what caused the bloody runs Mm -hmm. (laughs) for it. And well, that's what, that's what they were saying. Because shortly after that, it kicked out the fake horse into OJ's windshield. Yeah. And it'll never eat something with a flag, but then it does. And so this creature is also returning to its vomit, the, returning to its filth, and is the f- the fool returning to its folly. I think the reason why they did that is because instinct. they talk about its instinct to attack something that stares directly in- into its eyes. And I, I don't think it wanted to eat it because of those flags, because it sat there and did its little death gaze thing which was actually very pretty to look at if you did Mm -hmm. um 
but it, it did that for a long while before it eventually consumed Bob's big boy there. So, which is basically <laughs> what it looked like. It did. It did all the, for me, it's Elias brothers, Elias brothers, big boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they, they used air pressure to explode it. Basically. It worked. And, and I liked the thread that they were following there and, mm-hmm. you know, setting up the creature's habits and instincts and using that against it. And yeah, the one thing about the ending that I felt like, is that a cheat? They never showed OJ getting killed. He just rode mm-hmm. off, you know, and then the dust clears and he's just there on his horse, like mm-hmm. the, the great Western hero and no, yeah. I and I knew they were setting that up. They they wanted you they wanted you to think that he got eight, but I, I if I, if I've learned anything from watching horror movies, a, g- a good portion of my forty years on this earth, it's that uh, if they don't show you someone's dead in a scary movie, they're not dead. You know, <laughs> yeah. they they they're always there to bring back. If not in this movie, then the next. Yeah, which there, I doubt there will be a another in this series. They could, you know, they I could. I thought that about Tremors at one point as well. <laughs> when they first got that thing to fly away, I was just thinking to myself, they didn't kill this. I don't imagine they can kill it. It's just going to go somewhere else in the world and eat. Like it's, it's just. I mean, they just scared it to another part of the forest, so to speak. And yeah. But I'm pretty confident that they may have killed it at the end of this movie, just with how what oh, they showed they, on the screen. But I'm saying earlier they they chased it away. They got it to oh, go yeah, away. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, I know. I know what you're saying. Yeah. I'm just. Uh, but in the same sense, though, they don't really state that this is an extraterrestrial being either. So, well, and they can always do the it had family. That's what I'm I saying. Mean, Jaws, Jaws four. We could just have a repeat of that and mm-hmm. it's, you did, mother, it's telepathically following mothers there over. for for revenge oh, just drive a boat four. through it Ugh. <laughs> talk about a franchise of diminishing returns yeah i mean that's really the one to measure on <laughs> it really is like that's the one I mean, can you imagine if if Back to the Future Two was right and we got thirty two Jaws movies? Exactly how bad number thirty two would have gotten? Not only can I imagine that we did for an episode of Strangers and Aliens, where oh, yeah? we went into an alternate universe, <laughs> and Steve and I reviewed all the Jaws movies from that. Ugh. I think I briefly remember that you guys, you guys have so many episodes now. Let me see if I can find the. Oh, that was episode 165, the Jaws franchise, Jaws 1975 to Jaws 19, 2015. <laughs> oh, so you didn't get to number 32. No, because Jaws 19 was the last, th- that was the one in Back to the Future, I think. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah. And what they did, what caused us to do this episode was one of the promos that they did for Back to the Future or for Jaws, I can't remember which one, but they put out a fake trailer that like briefly mentioned something about each one of these movies. And so we kind of mm. use that as our template. And nice. Yeah. It was kind of fun. Okay. So 
what else do we need to talk about here? One of the interesting things I thought was the uh, the background on Hollywood and and having a Hollywood job that doesn't usually get uh, front and center in a Hollywood mm-hmm. movie, which is the the Animal Wranglers, and that was kind of kind of cool, kind of interesting, and again, nice setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have OJ's sister talking about Black Hollywood history and the the man on the horse. You know, and knowing Jordan Peele, probably everything outside of the character related part of what she said is probably true. Yeah, I'm curious where the ideas for this movie started. Like if this was him saying, I want to do something about a Hollywood family, mm-hmm. you know, or if it started as a spaceship, but it's not a spaceship. The reason it's here is because it's, it's a thing. It's a, it's an entity of itself and, and it's hungry. And then he's figuring out what goes into that story. I, I'm curious mm-hmm. where, if it was chicken or egg on that. I'm willing to bet it was probably more balut in that it was a little bit of both. <laughs> he probably had both ideas and crammed them together and produced what he made. So um i i will i will say though that this movie where i'm not certain if i liked this movie yet or if i'm just meh about it um i will say it has intrigued me enough to make me want to watch the other two movies he's done so that's a thing yeah and i i think they're all three worth watching like they Mm -hmm. all three have value there's definitely talent behind the camera and in front of the camera and even though there might be some moments i don't think any of the moments are as bad as as Shyamalan at his worst but um there might be some moments where it's just ah, oh, i didn't like that but that's he made a choice that i wouldn't have made or whatever um but there's there's value he's he wants to say something with his movies i feel like this has a little bit of a uh, maybe a little bit of a big big budget movie just to say, be kind to animals and don't put them where they don't belong because mm-hmm. it won't go well, <laughs> but, um, but there's enough, all uh, there's enough other things to the movie that the theme of the movie isn't necessarily the, mm-hmm. the reason to watch this. It's just, it's there. And I think, so. I think that's part of the other reason why I have to redigest this movie as long as I do, because, uh, I'm not going to name names, but I had a friend of mine when I said I was uh, going to uh, see this movie. They had warned me that uh, Jordan Peele has a tendency to endorse certain political agendas in his movies and blah, blah, blah. And so I kind of went in with my political filter on basically to kind of like block out messaging just so I can enjoy a movie for the sake of a movie. And when I didn't get any of that in this movie, I, you know, I was just like, wow, I had my hackles up for no reason. And now, <laughs> and now I got to think about this a little bit more and rerun certain scenes in my head because I was too busy look, waiting for the penny to drop and it never did. So, but the nickel dropped. And it yes, the right nickel did eye. drop. <laughs> <laughs> and nickel did drop and made me want to puke a little bit when I saw blood spurting with arterial <laughs> rhythm from David Keith's eye. Cause yeah. yuck or Keith David's eye rather. 
Here's here's the thing about the political agenda, though. It's definitely there. He, but this is what makes him, in my opinion, one of the important filmmakers right now is that he's a black filmmaker, mm-hmm. and he's had this pop culture uh, exposure and and success, and he's created these films that are they're black led, and they have. Um, yeah, the the color of the cast, they're, they're people of color. Mm-hmm. And it it's going to be coming from, you know, any filmmaker, any artist is going to have an agenda that comes through one way or another, whether it's subtext or whether it's text, it's going mm-hmm. to be coming through because you can't help it. You're, you're as a human being. What's inside of you is what's going to come out when you're creating. Right. Art. You're, you're, you're going to speak from your own perspective. But what what I'm more saying was I was warned about, like, it, it's going to be kind of grandstandy preaching uh, sort of thing. And I, I didn't feel it. You know, I, I walked in expecting a Michael Moore movie and I came out. And, <laughs> and you came out, you kind of had seen almost a Michael Myers movie. Is Oh, uh, as. <laughs> yeah, it, it 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 literally to me like the my first thought when I got out of the movie theater was that was Tremors in the Sky is basically what that was. Mm-hmm. Instead of don't walk on the ground, it was don't look at the sky. Yeah, don't don't look at the thing. Um, and I'll say this too: I'm kind of glad that it went in this direction that I wasn't expecting because if it had gone in the direction that I was expecting, which would have been a first contact kind of movie, which would have been well contact or close encounters or, you know, these movies where it's this, mm-hmm. um, experience of just otherworldly, uh, otherworldly, uh, beings or whatever. And, um, so I was, I was walking into it. I was like, am I going to be transported away? You know, am I going to be, is this going to be something where it's like a spiritual experience or whatever? My, <laughs> um, which those movies, are setting up what's intended to be or t- intended to feel like a spiritual experience and close mm-hmm. encounters of the third kind. I, we've talked about this before. It's been a while since we've talked about this, but that was a spiritual experience for me as mm-hmm. a young unmarried Christian. And I'm like, Oh, this is, we are not of this world. And you have this guy who's being called to this thing that's beyond. And then I was talking about it with Steve and Jace back in the day. And, and they're like, dude, he left his family. Like he, he left his family is with another woman for most of the movie. And it's just like, Oh yeah. Okay. So the metaphor is not perfect, but I still appreciate it. I did get to see that on the big screen. I took my kids to see it. That was the first time they ever saw it. And it was one of those, you know, late, uh, um, return release kind of a things. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yep. Yep. And when we walked out, my kids were like, he left his family. I was like, yeah, you got it before I did. Like, <laughs> I was in college and I didn't catch that. So. Uh, you know, it, the other part of me was kind of thinking that, you know, maybe he was doing a play on like the fourth kind. And mm, I would, mm-hmm. I would have been cool with that, especially when they, when they got to the scene for the scene labeled as Clover. When the sprinkler <laughs> and the lights turn on and the, in the arena, I guess is what they called it. Yeah and, yeah. and then all of a sudden you see these alien people walking around and making the noises. And then it just turns out to be people from, <laughs> from Jupiter's claim because, because they uh, stole the horse because they stole the training horse. And it's just yeah. like, it's like they're in a prank war. Like they're, 
But I mean, for a brief moment there, I'm like, this is going to be cool. If this is like, it's like, oh my gosh, Jordan Peele's doing signs. I'm down for this. I am here for this. And then it turned out to be alien kids. I'm like, uh, never mind. Yeah. That was a creepy scene though. And it was very effective, very moody. Mm -hmm. Uh, and again, has the, had the punchline there that was intended to be a a funny punchline. Um, yeah, but that, that is something else. The structure of this movie was interesting where you had each chapter was named after an animal Mm -hmm. that they're going to be dealing with. And so you have the ones named after the chimp, you have Clover, you have then, um, blue jean, blue jean was, that's what they named the creature. That's what they named the creature, but it was also the name of one of the horses. Right. But that that was the final chapter where it was mm-hmm. the creature chapter. It was Blue Jean. Uh, the and, first the first chapter was Ghost. Yeah, which was the first horse that ran away. And then you hear, then you hear in the distance, you hear the horse screaming as it's being digested. That's that, right. Yeah. That's the other thing that's going to make people uncomfortable when they watch this movie is you can hear whatever the thing eats being digested, just screaming. Like when it eats the people, you're going to hear a crowd of people just bellowing for a little bit. And it's quick. Like that's, that's a quick digestion. Mm -hmm. And again, it makes you wonder like, where did it come from? That's the, another thing I like about this movie though, is they don't give all the answers. The answers they do give are all from humans from their own perspective saying, Mm -hmm. well, this is like this animal or this animal. Um, And I, I actually, I like that a lot when you don't have all the answers given to you because I mean, that's, that's life. You know, we don't know mm-hmm. everything about everything. We just have to get by with what we do know. And, and that's also a horror filmmaking one oh one. People are more afraid of what they don't understand and what they don't know. The moment you take the mystery away from it, it stops being the boogeyman and starts being whatever you just described it as. So, yeah. And that's, I, both Jaws and Alien, they wanted to show the shark more. They wanted mm-hmm. to show the big guy more, but didn't look good. And mm-hmm. so it was better to just keep it to their imagination because what we made is not going to live up to their imagination. Exactly. You have any other thoughts before we shut this one down? Um, I would. My, my only other thought is if you make the decision to watch this movie, I would recommend seeing it in the theater. Um, the visuals in it are definitely worth the price of the ticket. Um, do I think it's worth a full price ticket? Probably not. Hit a matinee. <laughs> uh, hit a matinee. Because um, if you've made up your mind to see it, if you already like Jordan Peele stuff, or if you're into uh, sci-fi with a disturbing edge to it, then I would recommend it to you. And if you're going to see it, see it in the theater uh, the first time. If you because you if you have the opportunity, because yeah. You're not going to get that on your screen. No. No, unless you have a, a rather large television. Mm-hmm. But which I kind of do have a large television and I was watching Dune again. <clears throat> the first time I watched Dune, it was the on new, my iPad. The new one or the old one? The new one. Okay. I, I was watching on my one. iPad and I was glad I was wearing these headphones and I'm glad I did because the sound design is a huge part of that movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't even know that when I put the headphones on, but I just didn't want to wake up my wife. Um, but there was so many things I missed cause I was on that tiny screen and I was mm-hmm. watching on my, my big screen as I was working on some stuff. It was like, Oh, uh, there's, th- there's things there. Like there's little details in the corner and yeah, I was forced to watch the first one for 
the bottom shelf and <laughs> I, I've been told that the new one is vastly superior, but I just, I, I I'm having a hard time bringing myself to watch it. Cause I was scarred by print by sting in metallic underwear. <laughs> I have watched that movie many, many times and I will unapologetically say that I have, I will never say it's a good movie because it's I'll not, never, I will never say it's a good movie. But I will admit to have seen... I've seen it maybe six or seven times. Wow. Yeah. I apparently enjoyed... uh, I apparently enjoyed Battlefield Earth, so I'm not going to be a person to point my finger at somebody else's enjoyment of bad movies. Oh my goodness. I rewatched Battlefield Earth uh, just on a whim because I was... Actually, COVID got me going on this classic sci-fi kick. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I was like, I'm I'm gonna watch this. It's L. Ron Hubbard. It's classic old sci-fi, and I'd seen it in the theater, mm-hmm. uh, and that was the last time I'd seen it. And I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it when I saw it in theaters. I kind of did, but when I rewatched it here on my big screen at home, I was just, huh. I remember it being a lot worse. Same. Same. We watched it for the bottom shelf and I went into it. I said, I, you know, a misunderstanding between me and Kevin. I made me desert, decide to go into it with a completely open mind, blank slate it. And I watched it and, you know, if I didn't take it seriously, and I, I went into it with an open mind and I was entertained. I'm like, this isn't the best movie ever, but I wouldn't mind owning it. <laughs> no, I I'll never it. read the book. <laughs> That's. Don't read the book. That, uh, no, I I haven't read it. Okay. I probably never will read it because it's enormous. <laughs> it is a gigantic, gigantic brick of a book. And if I'm going to read a brick of a book, it's got to be something. I don't know. Something that I know is not going to be awful. <laughs> All right. Well, that is. That is nope. And John, let us know, how can people find you out there on the internet doing oh. the myriad of things that you are doing oh, in That's, the audio that... podcast space? That is a large list, sir, and it's growing. Um, okay, you can find me playing as the DM on Playing Games with Strangers. I play Nick Foster and Supersonic Pod Comics. I <clears throat> talk games and game history with dave clements on a new podcast that just started this weekend called uh, the casual gamer society um God, what else? oh yeah i watch terrible movies and review them on the bottom shelf i have a band called mezzanine um I had a podcast with Steve uh, called Primitive Rhythm Machine, although that is temporarily on hiatus. Uh, It may come back in the future. Who knows? Looking at you, Steve. Uh, (laughs) I think that covers everything. I I have a hard time keeping track of it anymore, to be perfectly honest. So... You need to start writing it down before you come on this podcast. I guess. You know I'm going to ask you every single time I ask you this. You know, they ask me at the end of the bottom shelf every time, too, and I have the same problem. So just make a sticky note and put it on your desk. (laughs) All right. And 
for me, you can find me here, strangersandaliens.com. There's other things as well, but I do want to mention that we have started up doing more YouTube videos, and I just posted our first one. I'm very excited about that, talking about Out of the Silent Planet. And other than that, I just want to say thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you for listening with us. I hope you enjoyed our conversation, and I also just need to say, in all your travels, if you're being chased by an alien or not, and if it wants to eat you or not, just go fast and Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Evan David, Steve McDonald, and Dr. J. Samuel. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. We'd love for you to join the conversation by going to our website at strangersandaliens.com, where you'll find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com. Or you can join our social media conversations by following us on Twitter, where we are at Strange and Alien, or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. Or leave us a voicemail by calling the Strangers and Aliens hotline. That number is 1-804-3780. And once again, thanks for listening. I but almost, he, I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I oh, I just, he, I almost, I, wow, we're twice. Yeah. Uh,